0: My husband, Tim, and I met in college. We both went to the University of Massachusetts in Amherst. Our great love story is that we met at the pizza restaurant that we both worked at. He worked the ovens out back, and I waited tables out front. I was an English major and spent my time at Bartlett Hall with my nose in a book. He was a forestry major and spent his roaming the wild places of Amherst and Belchertown. He loved trees. We'd hike in the local woods and he would ID them as we passed. He knew their Latin names and could tell you interesting stories about their lives just by looking at the ways their trunks grew or what other plant life surrounded them. One of his favorite trees is the sycamore. For those of you who aren't familiar, they are a towering, sprawling tree, and their most notable feature is their flaking bark. Landscapers don't like them much because of the mess they make. When you stand beneath one, you'll notice flaky bark covering most of the trunk near the ground, but as you trace the trunk skyward, you'll notice more and more exposed wood. The result is this kind of mottled look to the trunk that gets sparser the higher you go. I've always marveled at these giants, too, how big they grow and how exposed they always look. How open to the elements, wind, rain, bugs, fungus, these trees are and how they manage to grow in spite of this. And not only that, but it is precisely because of their growth that they shed their bark, as if they don't want to be contained. They want to be open and receiving to what the landscape has to give. This month's worship theme is vulnerability, and I can't help but think about the Grand Sycamore as a touchstone here and wonder how it might speak to this conversation. Last week, we talked about the power of vulnerability, the power in walking through the doorway despite uncertainty and discomfort. It is true and real that when we open ourselves up like the mighty sycamore, bear our fears, insecurities, and imperfections, sometimes we let in more than we'd like. Being who we are in this world can be a daunting task. I would say that for me, one of the things that I have struggled with the most on this ministry journey and certainly standing up here in this pulpit is just the realization that I will be me in these very public ways. I will be me in the winds of my imperfection and limitations. I will be me in my gifts and passions. I will be letting in the rush of connection and fellowship, and also the discomfort of faltering, of learning things about myself I may not want to know. And it is, at times, terrifying, like I may just blow away from it all. It feels so much safer to keep who I am tucked away safely, ensconced in thick, strong bark. Ah, growth and formation. It is a messy, messy thing, as our Sycamore friends can attest to. In order to grow, we have to shed too, leave ourselves open to what comes in, Let our flaking, cracking shells fall to the ground at times. As we grow into ourselves as individuals and communities, how do we bear this, what comes in? On this weekend, when we approach Indigenous Peoples Day, we are called to honor the lives of the peoples on whose land we inhabit and also to bear witness to our nation's role. In a genocide of a people. Letting the truth in is hard. This growing up and out of the ways that we have always understood our world to re-center around stories that have gone untold. It is uncomfortable. But just like the wood that breaks free of the bark that contains it, truth has a way of breaking through despite our efforts to turn away. And when we turn away, when we refuse to walk through that doorway, we are turning away from more than just discomfort. We are turning away from the fruits of that breaking free, practices of deep listening, of empathy, of reconciliation and justice, of new growth that expands and widens the canopy. And there are other things we miss out on, too. It turns out that biologists aren't entirely sure why the sycamore sheds its bark. It certainly leaves the tree open to pests and disease. For example, the exposed wood is susceptible to the certain fungi that hollows out the inside of its trunk. This doesn't kill the tree though, and they are able to continue on despite this wound. And animals are often found using the interior spaces to, dwell, to build nests and dwellings. Though it's not certain, there are a number of theories about why the tree sheds its protective shell. But the one that I like is that in the winter, when the leaves are gone, The tree can still photosynthesize through the exposed wood that lets in pests and elements, yes, but it also lets in sunlight, that it converts to food to fortify it for the long winter ahead. Vulnerability researcher Brene Brown, in one of her TED Talks, explores this human tendency to always imagine the worst. I can so relate to this. Do I have any fellow worriers out there? The way Brown explains it, here we are, witness to something wondrous, a child's sleeping face, an anticipated trip, a new life opportunity, and just as we start to feel the joy and possibility of the moment well up inside us, we immediately imagine what could go wrong. Maybe we are being realistic, Brown says, but we are also denying ourselves the overwhelming experience of true bliss. What is so vulnerable about feeling joy? Yes, when we are vulnerable, we are opening up to the possibility of pain to love like this, but we are also interrupting the ability to photosynthesize to draw nutrients out of the sun's rays, to sustain us when things get hard, and they will. Author Louise Ehrlich in her novel, The Painted Drum, writes, love will break you, nobody can protect you from that, and being alone won't either, for solitude will also break you with its yearning. You have to love, you have to feel. It is the reason you are here on earth. You have to risk your heart. You have to risk your heart. And it feels like risk, doesn't it? But there is also something liberating in looking at it in this way. I remember during my chaplaincy internship, We talked a lot about risk-taking and this language of risk was helpful to me. Spending time with patients was so vulnerable, both for them and me as a learner. And in those moments when I would try something new, open myself up to experiences and truths that were unfamiliar and uncomfortable, I would say to myself, I'm just going to take a risk here. It was this invitation to be vulnerable that was contained in curiosity and intention, but also in love. I took these risks of opening led by my heart. And the reality was that those moments, whether or not I showed up in the right way, they were always the most transformative ones, both for myself as well as the person I was with because when we shed some of our protective exterior, and this has been so huge for me along the way, we are not alone. In her work, Brown outlines a number of myths associated with vulnerability, and the one that stands out for me is this idea that we can go it alone. Myth number four, going it alone. Brown explains, we are neurobiologically hardwired for connection with other people. In the absence of connection, love, and belonging, there is always suffering. The vulnerability journey is not the kind of journey we can make alone. We need support. We need folks who will let us try on new ways of being without judging us. We need a hand to pull us off the ground when we get kicked down, and if we live a courageous life, that will happen, she says. We need each other. Trees are rooted in the soil beneath them, yes, but they are also rooted in the ecosystems around them, made up of other plants, creatures, and underground networks of fungi that depend on them, and in turn, they depend upon. And we, in turn, are not alone in this. Like the carved out hollow insides of the sycamore tree that creates spaces of refuge for forest animals, there is the larger ecosystem of our faith communities that help us hold our pain, make use of our imperfections, and transform sunshine into food. And for me, these relationships are a great source of my own faith and sense of the divine and how I have found strength on the journey when the winds of life blow, knowing that my permeability, my thin skin and porous nature allow in all the things and along with them the divine that I experience as the connections between us. Our seventh principle, that interconnected web of existence and relationality of which we are only a part. And I think it bears saying here, though, that living together in relationship, this opening to life, is not easy. There is a reason the sycamore still has some bark. I don't know, maybe our posture then is more like Mark Nepo's unfolding from our reading, that tender, cautious, and incremental opening of our branches, a gentle practice of risking with our hearts and inviting others to do the same, slowly drawing in closer to each other, cozying up in the center where the wood curls around our gathered community and keeping some bark at the bottom too, out of which all that opening can occur. To wilt and shed and turn to mulch, to squeeze love up our stocky center is prayer. It is reverence and openness to this great thing that our universalist forebears centered, this call to love with a capital L. Now, when Tim and I go on walks, he asks me to ID trees. There's a presumption here that I've learned a few things from him along the way. Sometimes I get it right. Other times I am stumped, no pun intended, by the particular track of bark or leaf. But I try. But more importantly, however, I feel a camaraderie with the forest that has been nurtured by living my life alongside this lover of trees. Trees that have taught me how to be vulnerable, how to withstand the changing winds of imperfection, joy, exposure, and being me in all the ways that I am, while rooted in the rich soil below that somehow, miraculously, and infinitely holds me close so that I do not blow away. So in these tender times of opening ourselves to a world that is uncertain and fraught, full of truths that are hard to bear and joys that break our hearts open, let us bless our thin skin, our porousness and soft hearts. Let us take risks in love that stretch our branches skyward, while also staying protected and rooted in the safe earth of community below. When what comes in hurts, may we remember that there are warm places in here where others burrow in alongside us. And when what comes in tingles in blissful joy, may we rest for a while in those moments and draw nutrients that we turn into growth that feeds back into the ecosystems around us, nurturing an interconnected and interdependent world. And may we always remember that there is a greater, free-flowing wind that envelops and is ever shared between us, and that is our great love story. Amen, and may it be so.